1: Bakers, fresh for everyone. Blog Talk Radio.
2: Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show featuring Jason Zuck. Jason has been an intuitive psychic medium since 2004. This show will cover a variety of topics relating to spirituality, mediumship, self-improvement and intuitive guidance. Whatever interests you, remember that we are all here to share and learn. Sit back and get ready to socialize with the social psychic. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show featuring Jason Dukes. It is great to have special guest Catherine Samuelson on our show today. Catherine is a psychic an intuitive life coach, and an author. She's also an attorney licensed to practice in Illinois. One of the things I'm really excited about having Catherine on the show today is the fact that she decided to leave the practice of law to embark upon her own spiritual path. She's the author of a book called Opening the Heart, Meditations on How to Be. I find it Extremely exciting when someone who's an attorney decides to pursue uh, the spiritual path as a life coach and really taking the effort of helping others. I also think that having Catherine on the show today will be exciting because I would like to have the audience hear her personal story and use it as a reference. So if anyone's in that audience, that's in our audience that's listening to this, and you have a, a, a drive to want to pursue your own spiritual path, I would say pay attention to what we're going to talk about today. In terms of her book, Opening the Heart, Meditations on How to Be, this particular book has 56 distinctive meditation images, corresponding inspirations, and exercises that combine the two. It's a means to find inner peace and healing that emerges from listening to one's own heart. This book is available in paperback as well as in an e-book form, and it's available on iBook, Kindle, and Nook versions, and it can also be purchased through Dog Ear Press, Amazon, and Barnes & Noble online. It's with great pleasure that I welcome Katherine Samuelson to the show. Welcome to the show, Catherine. Hi, Jason. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to have you on. I, uh, I'm so excited. I know um, from our perspective, I was able to link up with you through LinkedIn. And right. when, we, when we corresponded on there and then we got on the phone and I started talking to you, I, I found we have a lot of similarities in the sense of at least having a legal background <laughs> and then having the calling to go into this stuff. And so my first question before we go into anything else, my path took me about 15 years to pursue and become openly as a psychic and still be you know, doing my law practice. How long did it take you for yourself to decide to become more spiritual and to pursue it as a path for yourself? Well,
0: I've always had a spiritual bent in my life. Um, I used to go to church. I grew up a Methodist. Uh, But I would, you know, I'd hear Jesus said this, and I'd go, no, he didn't. (laughs) And I started pursuing other things in doing a lot of reading around spirituality, not just, you know, Christianity and other things. And at some point I started consulting psychics myself. And it was about 1992 or 93. I was working for the lovely Cook County, a small little local government, <laughs> 20,000 employees. Uh, sure. Chicago, it's the Chicago, county Chicago's in. And... Um, uh, the psychic I was talking to at the time channels of the, uh, a being by the name of O'Brien, who said he should try automatic writing. And something else had come up about automatic writing, and I started trying it, and it, you know, fits and starts and working, 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 working. And I told a few people at work that I was doing this, but you know, when you're a staff attorney. <laughs>
2: I, uh, it's ironic you say that because I was a staff attorney myself, so I understand exactly what you're saying, but for the state court, not the county.
0: Right. And Um,
2: so this was
0: around 92, 93 that this started. And um, I up and decided I couldn't stand Cook County anymore and for various reasons ended up moving to Massachusetts and started connecting more with people on the spiritual side and uh, could not get a job. You're not from here. You don't have, <laughs> and I'm sure you know what this is—a book of business. I mean, in other words, I didn't have clients to bring with me, so I got a certification as a life coach and decided, what the heck? Uh, I've been doing this work, and so that was probably around 2007 that I decided to just give up on law practice okay. and started doing this stuff.
2: Gotcha and in terms of the transition from your law practice to this as we call it this stuff, your psychic life coaching, being an author, right. giving workshops. How um how nervous were you switching hats? Is that all? Well, I you know,
0: trying to think back, it was because a lot of time, a lot of that time from like '93 to 2007 was why me, why me, why me, why me, and I had to get to why not me. And I also went to a psychic development group, so I think that helped sort of that transition. It was more just, oh God, I hate marketing. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, and being actually an introvert. And getting into extrovert professions is finding a way wow. to get myself out there. It was more dealing with that piece, I think, than being nervous about the, you know, coming out as a psychic piece. Although I was still somewhat careful. Like I, the town I was living in, I went to the library book group. I didn't say a word about what I do. And then finally I saw somebody that I knew from the book club on the street, and I said, oh, I'm working at an event tomorrow. And she said, what? And I said, a psychic fair. She literally started to sidle away from me. (laughs) I just had to laugh. Not that. that, Oh, my God. You know.
2: Oh, no, not that. You're a heathen. I I can identify with what you're describing, because when I first started to realize that something was going on for me spiritually and waking me up, so to speak, Uh uh, I was working in Mississippi for Hurricane Katrina and post-recovery, and it was one of those things where I was super, like, quiet about it and nervous, and I remember one of my earliest experiences with mediumship happened with a paralegal at my old law firm late at night when I read for her for over two hours when her brother came through, and it freaked me out more than it freaked her out. I wanted to ask you, did you have any experiences where you started reading for somebody or, you know, working with someone, and, and it was, like, something that you just had to adjust to because of the the realization yourself, because I know as an attorney, we're taught to rely on the evidence. We're taught to rely the on rational. the facts and the rational. And when you get into the psychic realm, it's all holds barred. Everything's out the window. So
0: <laughs> Yeah. I love it. I love it when clients say, I have a weird question and I just look at them and say, you're talking to a psychic.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I... Uh,
2: I literally I, – I, I, I think it, it, because it but, happened
0: so slowly for me okay, and because I went to the psychic development group, okay. which helped that transition, I think, because okay. we were reading for each other.
2: The practice, it, that element of practice is what's so yeah. pivotal, I feel like, for really right. going into the, the deep end, so to speak, instead of having a little – blow-up army things, that you know, those little things on your arms as a little kid. And we were like, I'm dating myself now, saying I'm in my 40s. But the blow-up arm things, you know, I'm trying to use that analogy. It's probably not the best one to use. But right. what I'll say is plunging into the deep end and finally deciding this is what I want to do. Was it something, like you said, it was gradual, but was it something at, at one point where you were like, this is it. I'm doing it. I'm done. I switched over. Yes. And yeah,
0: I'm so happy I did it. Okay. Right. Um what, it is not always financially that? rewarding. <laughs>
2: okay. Yeah.
0: You know, um I'm not like Sonia Choquette, who charges more than I want to say how much she charges an hour. <sighs> um, well, I'll say this.
2: When it was, it was when I decided that
0: that the universe didn't want me practicing law.
2: I understand that totally. <laughs> I uh I uh, definitely understand that. I was going to say to you, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm so sorry. Uh, this topic is very interesting to me, so that's why I'm jumping in the way I am. But it's okay. when, when psychics charge exorbitant fees, for me, mm-hmm. that was the hardest part about me doing professional readings was to figure out how much would I charge. And for like 10 right. years, I didn't charge anybody anything because I wasn't confident enough in myself to put myself out there. And ultimately what I wound up doing was, just giving free, giving it away for free, you know? And I enjoyed that mm-hmm. a lot, but I wanted to ask you, did you have a similar situation for yourself where you gave free readings beyond a development group, and then at some point you're like, okay, now I'm going to start charging because I'm making this my living? Um,
0: I actually don't really remember. I still will occasionally do something for free. In fact, I'm meeting with somebody on Monday, and he's basically kind of homeless, so – you know, it's like wow. if you can give, pay 5 or $10, fine, you know, but it's not. Um, so it was more charging what I think I'm worth. And it was exactly. a slow process. And I have a couple of friends who think I should be charging more than I am. And I'm like, I can't go there. I just can't go there.
2: You, you know what's interesting about that? Um, my own mother, who I'm very close with, has told me, don't raise your rates. You don't need to raise your rates because you want to make sure that anyone who can do a reading with you can afford you. And I reassured her that I wouldn't because my ultimate goal is to hopefully figure out a way to make money with this that you don't have to rely on the readings, you know, that you can do some indirect med- means to support yourself Right. having you. And, you know, it's it's the fun part. But, of but,
0: if, but what you can do is set a reasonable rate for your talents and your experience. Correct. But like, um I've had some clients where I have a client who was who referred to me and the person I trust I met her when I lived in Massachusetts and she did too and so I gave her a discount. Wow. You That's know great. You, you you can That's handle great. these things, you know, so you can charge generally what you you feel you're worth. Sure.
2: And exactly. but make well,
0: accommodations for people.
2: Well, and that's and that's Uh, I think the the key to do it well is to not let your ego interfere with your spiritual path. And obviously, like if we're lawyer as lawyers, if someone walks in our office in in a figurative sense and they say, Hey, I want you to write this letter for me. Can you do this? It's perfectly within your realm to say, Okay, I'll charge X. That's how I was able to justify giving a reading. Because if it takes an hour of my time, here's a reasonable rate based on what's going on in the market. Here I am. but uh uh-huh. I want to ask you I want to ask you in general I know I want to get into the meditation stuff and your psychic abilities and ask you did meditating help you develop your psychic abilities over time
0: I think it did even though I really wasn't meditating for that reason it was more para meditation following sort of the spiritual arm of things okay. if that makes sure. sense um but what working with the book and meditating has made me less judgmental, has made me calmer. Okay. Um and then you bring in for the readings the the listening skills from being a lawyer and the act you know and asking questions and you know even I had a reading doing an event once and this woman had some real estate related problem and I said, "Oh, you need to go see a real estate letter, lawyer and you need to ask at least these questions." <laughs> so you never know. Huh how they're going to meld. You'd think it would be totally not useful, but it is.
2: You know what's funny? I call it my lawyer hat, and then I call it my psychic hat. And what I literally do is at 6 p.m., when I've had a lot of readings in the past, I would switch my hats and go meet and do – and I'm getting goosebumps when I say that, meaning uh, the shifting of the mindset, the paradigm, is that what you found mm-hmm. as well when you were doing it in the middle when you were still a lawyer and giving the readings would you find yourself switching between the two quite frequently
0: and so how how did you feel about that By the time I was really doing it for people I had stopped practicing law
2: Okay okay
0: Um and it what, was more what just you do? Um local government and my last job was for Cook County in the planning department and they the department runs the community development block grant home program and ESG programs. So there was government okay. regulation, local government, some real estate um, and so I would go home and at night or on weekends I would work on practice, 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 practice with the automatic writing.
2: I love automatic writing actually. I um, started to do that about ten years ago. I don't do it a lot. I do it on occasion. And when you started to do the automatic writing, I think you have angel guides, is that right? Spirit guides that help you?
0: Angels and, and guides. I just you know, collectively, you know, Perfect. most
2: people do. Um and
0: this okay. idea that everybody has one angel with them, well no, that's not my experience.
2: Sure. <laughs> you know, and uh, there sure. are yes, there you...
0: are fairies. There are elves. There are
2: plant spirits. It's just a wild, wacky, wonderful universe. What has been the most gratifying experience for you since you've pursued your spiritual path full-time, and why?
0: Helping people find their way. Sort of helping them clarify things. Um, You know, and just so people in transition helping them do that. And stuff that comes out sometimes, it's like, I don't know what my life purpose is, and then they'll get I'll get something. And the first time it came through, I had no clue what this was, and I still have to look it up and figure it out. Someone was told to study deep ecology. Okay. And it's actually a field. I'm like, okay, you know, and where people cool. should move. And, you know, if you're looking at schools, and and I tell people it's all based on what's energetically good for them, and, you know, they're free to say no, not going to do that. And I've had clients say, Uh nope, not doing that. I'm like, oh, okay. And you have to let your ego get out of the way because you're just the conduit, and they're not rejecting you if they decide not to do it. They're just not ready to do it, and maybe the seed, you know, is planted and it'll happen later. Um, I once saw this program, on cable T V with this psychic from England who went to help this couple that would have been on the Bachelor or the Bachelorette and Oh wow. Uh, and he got offended because they didn't immediately that next day go out and do his homework. The husband was a firefighter. He was on duty for twenty four hours. <laughs> He's like he couldn't do it. You know? It's like <laughs> Yeah. You know, it's like, and if they had never done it, you know, you just like, this is what I get, whether you like it or not, this is what I get. And then you
2: step out of the way. Absolutely. Let me ask you this. Before we get into your book, and we're about to do that in a a minute, I want to ask you about your psychic abilities and what you feel comfortable discussing, if at all, um, the type of readings that you can provide in case anyone in our audience might want to reach out to you to have guidance. Uh, If you could just kind of go over the kind of stuff that you'd provide.
0: Um, we can talk about health, although I always okay. try to make sure I'm not a doctor if whatever they say you you know you're free to do or not do, or check with your health care provider. Uh, we can talk about changing jobs, life purpose, who your angels and guides are. Uh, I am not what I call a direct medium, but we can ask about people who've passed over. I don't generally talk directly to the dead usually filtered okay. through the angels and guides, although occasionally grandma or somebody will muscle in. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I've had parent, people, call, you know, the state of the health of their elderly parents. The one thing I don't think I would ever do is, you know, if somebody said, when am I going to die? I would say, I don't go there, you know?
1: <laughs> not doing
0: that one. Whoa, that's creepy. Um so a whole range of things, and, you know, they can look at my website, which is Um and read more about me, and it's K-A-T-H-R-Y-N-S-A-M-U-E-L-S-O-N.
2: Great. Let's get into your book. I sure. appreciate you sending it to me to review, by the way. Thank you. That would have been a large file in Dropbox. <laughs> no, no, no. I, la- I actually – I started to use the digital books from certain publishers I work with, but I am old-fashioned. I I love having a book in my hands and being able to highlight it, make it mine. From when I was in law school, I used to always write in the case books. I still do that even now when I read. I'll read a newspaper and underline it just the way I am. Mm -hmm. I I wanted to ask you, so what motivated you to write Opening the Heart Meditations on How to Be? Well,
0: when I lived in Melrose, Massachusetts – and I had a very good massage therapist who, and this was about 2007 when this happened. And she was also quite psychic, and we would talk about what you know came to us during the massage or Reiki ther- session. And I came out one day after getting dressed and to pay her, and she looked at me and said, "I think you're supposed to to do a set of angel cards." And my immediate reaction was, "Holy crap! Another thing to do." <laughs> <laughs> and the second reaction was, I'm going to, I'm going to need an artist. And so I started playing around with cards, you know, sort of fiddling around and consulting with O'Brien. And it came out to be meditation cards instead. And okay. 28 pairs. Uh, there are 56 images, and then they're paired into seeming dualities. And I went through this whole thing of trying to find a card publisher. Oh, we don't publish cards anymore. Well, it wasn't on your website. (laughs) You know, and all this kind of stuff. We don't publish fiction. Uh, A meditation card set is fiction. (laughs) It's fiction. Um, So at some point, you know, I started with agents, and one agent said she liked it, but she wouldn't know how to sell it. Another agent wasn't sure there was a big enough platform, which is publishing speak for a big fan base. And I paid an agent to go over what's called a query letter and the proposal summary. And when I started reading her comments for the proposal summary, I said, oh, holy crap. And talked to my book designer, who I had originally met on a trip to Ireland in 2002 and re met in 2007, um, about... Instead of having a book and cards, putting it all together in the book, and then I was working on ideas for a workbook, so we just put it all together and went
2: out and found a self-publisher, and that's how it ended up being a book. You know, that's interesting, because that's probably going to be something I'll ask you, uh, I guess I could ask you about. Uh, I know there's members of my audience that are always interested in self-publishing, so one of the things I want to ask you is, in terms of when you do publish for yourself, what was the greatest benefit of doing so versus the greatest challenge.
0: It actually got published. Okay. Cuz I had trouble finding a publisher. We didn't go back okay. to publishers after it became a book. Um uh, the challenge is other than, you know, them publishing it and you know, I pay them $20 a year to keep it listed on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, they really don't do any marketing. As self as But if people go to my website On the book page There's a tab yes. That I've put up my book talk About what I've learned about self-publishing
2: Okay Your book itself Because I know more about
0: book Trade book. discounts and author cost <laughs> And all that stuff Than I ever I can imagine. wanted to know So I can, You know and, I can imagine and the hard part the is you know, the marketing.
2: Sure. Let me ask you this. Have you thought after doing this first book, have you thought about doing any other books? And if so, what else would you be prompted to write about? Well, based on your I've had a
0: number of people in our business look at me and
2: say, you have another book. Yeah, and that's, I'm what not I sure sure that's what I'm asking you.
0: And, I, and I've, in a very desultory way started writing another book, and it's really taking the images and writing. Because the second part of the, of Opening the Heart Meditation on how to be, the first part is the meditation images. The second part is some text in relation to those images. And the third okay. part is some exercises that you can do. And the this new book, if it ever comes into being,
2: which I see uh, happening
0: by
2: the way. <laughs> huh? I see you doing a, I see you doing more books, at least one more book. So so I'm not trying well, to throw that in there part but part of I, the problem as, is as yeah, about.
0: it just I I work on it in a very desultory way. It's called and somebody gifted me the title, it's called Into the Silence. Okay. And so it's the meditation sayings with new text.
2: Okay. Meditation's pivotal, and I tell anyone who's interested in wanting to increase their spirituality or increase their ability to be intuitive, mm-hmm. um, I tell them, always be open to learning how to meditate. And I know there are certain people in my audience or people who I'm friends with that will say to me, I don't know how to do it, I can't do it, and I don't know why. What would you tell them as advice to help well, them learn how to meditate? I would tell them um,
0: that it's a lot simpler than they think. And they could think – they. Because there's a continuum to me, prayer, contemplation, meditation, and, you know, somewhere in there. And people who can't sit still, you can do walking meditations. I, have for quite a while, because I was finding myself slumping over and meditating, I've been okay. laying down and meditating. And sometimes I do put crystals on myself when I meditate, you know. Okay. Um, Great. And, I, you know, I tell people just start for a few minutes turn a timer on in the kitchen, go in the other room, and sit and breathe. Okay. Because people think your mind has to go blank, and that's not true. A lot of meditation is to slow your mind down, slow your breathing down. It becomes centered, um, and there's all sorts of um, health benefits from that, as well as spiritual benefits. Uh, a book that I've read a couple times is Times This Sally Kempton's Meditation for the Love of It. And in it she says everybody has a different gateway into meditation. So it's just finding your gateway. And some days meditation goes really well, and some days it goes not so well. So it's just showing up. Um, Another good book for beginners is John Kabat-Zinn's book, and it's kabat uh, hyphen Z-I-N-N, and it's Mindfulness for Beginners, I think, is the name of it. And he says, every meditation is a new beginning. And what I like about that book is that it's each chapter is like a page or a paragraph. Um, so it's just figuring out what works for you. Sometimes it's just following breathing. Sometimes it's doing a mantra
2: over and over again that, Works for you. Very true. What's your What's your viewpoint on the use of mantras and being able to reprogram your your brain from negative habits to creating positive ones? Have you had any experience with that working with clients?
0: Yeah, so particularly a life coach, where it's because if you change your language, you can change your story. You know, you don't get okay. so bound up in victimhood. I think. Do you find that?
2: Sure. I do, I do. Oh, um, and, very yeah. strongly. I, Go I ahead, think it's sorry. interesting to me, and, oh, you're good, you're good. I feel like it's interesting to me and synchronistic as well that we're talking today because you share a lot of the viewpoints that I, I mean, when you're trained as a lawyer and then you decide to do this, it's kind of like there's very few people that do that. And I wanted to ask you, do you think there's a renaissance in society right now with an openness to these ideas? As compared to the past? I
0: think in certain sectors, I think that there's still the old age is clinging on. So there are people who aren't, but it does seem to be getting broader. Um, You know, there's interesting prophecies about this time. And for example, the Hindu prophecies talk about the yugas, the Y U G A, which is like age. And okay. from what I've read, right now we're in the Kali Yuga, Kali being the goddess who is the creator okay. destroyer. And so it's a chaotic age, and that when this age is over, we'll be going into a golden age. And the Native American prophecies, in North and South America, about chaos and um the prophecies about the rainbow tribe you know saving the world, okay, huh?
2: I haven't heard that before um what yeah i just I just went to you- Abenaki
0: honoring Day in June and was talking to somebody, and he said, "Yeah, the prophecy is you know around is that the rainbow tribe will save the world, so in other words, people's coming together." That was rather tangential.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. What is your viewpoint about light workers? And in terms of light work, I'll define that because I know there's different viewpoints of what composes a light worker. I consider us potentially be light workers in the sense that we are called to do something bigger than what we first set out to do. And mm-hmm. the simplified definition is that we work to bring light and guidance to people who feel like they're in the dark. And I wanted to see if you had any viewpoints on that term, and, and if so, what they would be.
0: I think it encompasses a broad range of people. It encompasses Reiki therapists, crystal ball sound healers, people who, you know, what we do, who people, excuse me, tripping over my tongue, people who are working to help others heal themselves in the world. Yes. But I I like that. that, Like any profession, there are shysters to use a term from (laughs) law,
2: you know. You know, so it's hard for me to deal with that. I have a hard time with people who overcharge and who charge exorbitantly high rates to think that their ego I feel like their ego gets in the way, not to badmouth any other psychics, but when I hear or come across websites where they're like, An hour reading with me is six hundred dollars an hour (laughs) And I think to myself, how do you feel comfortable working with someone charging that type of an exorbitant rate when probably, you know, unless it's want, someone who's wealthy they, and they do They're trying care.
0: to limit their clientele to very wealthy people
2: and it's because of the ordinary person can't. Because you have so many other people. Yeah.
0: Right. Um, yeah. And one of my rules is if I tell people is if somebody says they're 100% correct – just politely say no thank you and turn around and walk away.
1: I think none
0: of us is hundred <laughs> no yeah, run. None of us is a hundred percent correct. We have off days. We have days that we there's a person we just can't connect with for whatever reason. Um they're shut down or we're just off that day. Um and i I no longer struggle with people who I can't connect with. I just say I'm not apparently
2: not the person for you. I tell people um, when I felt, I don't, I haven't had that many cases of clients coming to me where they made me feel uncomfortable, very few cases, I'd say three in the last two and a half years. But for me, it's kind of like, I, I really want to, cause our time is limited. Everybody's time's limited, but anyone I work with, I really want them to be receptive as possible and not have, mm-hmm. you know, block, like, I think for me, one of the biggest challenges working with new clients or working with people off the street, so to speak, is when a client comes to you And they're not ready for that reading. They're still hung up on the guilt. They're still hung up on the emotional aspects of things. And they come in front of you, and you try to help them, and they become very rebellious or closed-minded, not wanting to hear because they're too emotional. And I've actually stopped several readings where I tell people and give them their money back, hey, look, you're not ready for me yet. Go see a professional therapist or a counselor or whoever you need to to iron this out, and then when you're ready, come on in. I'll be here. Have you had that type of experience? And if so, do yeah, you have any I mean, and I don't year?
0: hesitate to tell somebody that um, I think they need therapy. Or I remember this particular young woman at a at a at a an event, and I think a little bit of skepticism is so good. But I'm struggling, trying to get a connection, and I'm thinking, why the hell are you here? Because <laughs> she was sure so closed down and I finally just said I'm not the reader for you and she said it's not me and her friend sitting there looked at me and said yes it is (laughs) and she ended up with another woman who later told me that she struggled with this woman Wow. so you're right if you're too closed
2: down it's just not going to work exactly we have a caller uh, that's on the line I'm going to put them in uh, let's see who it is. And I just Hi, this looked, is Jason Zook. Uh, I, you so I had, show?
0: I, had I, I thought it was
2: one little model
0: like a period. All right, but uh,
2: I guess not. <laughs> I'll put them back on hold because they're either in another call or something else going on there. Unless they called us by yeah, and I couldn't really hear the, the person sure. anyway. No, it's okay. It's okay. No problem. I was just wanting to be receptive to the caller in case they're there, but they seem to be involved with something else right now. Uh, If that caller is listening, I will try again to get back with you in a few minutes, but I want to continue with the interview first. Catherine, tell me this. What do you think about the use of meditation in overcoming stress, anxiety, and other Mental health issues. Have you found that to be something from your working with clients that they were able to wean themselves off of certain things by doing spiritual stuff? And if so, what did you, what have you experienced or found working with these people? I'm, I'm a firm
0: believer that stuff? that I mean meditation can help you. I mean even the military now is studying having you know returning troops meditate and do yoga. Um, there are programs in prisons where the prisoners is if i remember correctly the recidivism rate goes down and i can so, but working with, with working with clients is and and just my own personal experience is you become you can become calmer less reactive and, you know, being able to look at things from a different perspective so that you're, like, not going, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, this is terrible, and this is awful, and oh, my, you just go, breathe, <laughs> you know, deep breath. and you, it, it, <laughs> deep, deep, in fact, the first saying that came through from my angels and guides was breathe deeply, breathe slowly, you can breathe through anything.
2: I love that. <laughs> Breathwork work is massive for, in terms of connecting for me
0: yes so again when we talked about earlier about just sitting and following your breath if you're starting to you know to meditate and understand that your mind is going to wander you know and people in the in the meditation business calls it, call it monkey mind because <laughs> it's just chittering around monkey and mind. monkey mind have you not heard that
2: I have not heard that term
0: okay. before. No, I haven't. You know, your, your mind is just skittering around and it's just, so it's like,
2: okay, and
0: it's slowing down the monkey mind. And eventually the goal is to get so that, you know, you feel in the spaces. And sometimes I've felt absolute bliss. Um, unfortunately, if we all lived in bliss, nothing would ever get done, <laughs> you know. Because um, mm-hmm. we do need to eat and make a living, so we can eat and clothe ourselves and have a place to live. But exactly. yes, just even from my own experience and working with clients, and um, I've come up with a meditation um, that's—it's actually on my website, I believe now, uh, which I call the Energy Block Meditation, and it's one of the exercises in the book where you go into meditation and you breathe and you feel. Where the energy is stuck, and you work with it, and you you know does it have a texture, does it have a color blah, blah, and then you talk to it, and it's like, you know does it have a name you know what is it you know why was it created this energy block you know block, and what does it need from you to be transformed into a loving healing energy and I was working with a life coaching client with this, and the energy block said its name was bastion which means hmm. wall and she didn't know that she had no clue that that's what that meant
2: interesting and what then you can work with that
0: energy block and dis, you know like disperse it change it
2: do you feel that the chakras get blocked um, like for example the heart when, you, when I looked at your book, the first feeling I got was heart chakra, opening up your heart chakra through meditation to allow you to express your love for others, work through inner issues. Have you, when you did your meditations and you thought of the book, did you think of opening up like the heart chakra or were you thinking at it from a different perspective? It
0: was a different perspective because it was channeled. Okay. So it was, I suppose, opening myself up to them and being, again, the conduit for what they wanted to be brought into the world.
2: Interesting. Do you believe as an intuitive that you can connect with someone's energy and that's how you derive information from them? Or is there some other methodology that you think you rely on?
0: Well this is what I say to very skeptical people. It's a quantum world. And we're all, you know, and and quantum physicists are now talking about the universe actually being a grid. And hmm. things in a grid and there's a, she used to teach in a seminary. She's a Episcopal priest and author, Barbara Brown Taylor, and she's, in one of her, at least one of her books, she talks about the luminous web that holds everything together. So my explanation is we're all part of this luminous web, and we're like little node points that, you know, where the threads of the web cross, and energy goes whoosh around, and some of us are call to be able to tap into that energy which has knowledge, you know, that's moving around. And if everything is one and they talk about everything being one and twinned electrons across the universe, which if something happens to one, it happens to the other. So in this quantum world, um, some of us are just allowed and, you know, enabled to tap into that energy and the knowledge that that energy has. I have a friend in the business who says some people are AM, FM, and some of us are broadband. Interesting. <laughs> I believe that, that nice? as
2: well. It's nice the way you phrased it because I believe that as well. For me, I did, uh, I've had a lot of spiritual experiences. They just happen. It's like as soon as I started putting off readings, like last year I had a health scare, I had some stuff I had to take time off for. And when I wasn't doing readings, the universe was throwing people at me
0: <laughs>
2: to remind me, yes, you need to go back and do this. It's healing. It helps you. Do you find that when you give readings, you, you, you feel or you derive a positive benefit with
0: Oh, sure. Healing? Um, my vibrations go up. And when I know that I've really yeah. connected well and been able to provide good information, it just feels wonderful.
2: Absolutely. What do you think? about using, I, I know you mentioned crystals. I'm very big into crystal healing. So I want to ask you, what are your favorite crystals that you use when you meditate and why?
0: It varies, but lately I've been, um, I, the ones I've chosen, and I put, them, put this at the bottom of my feet. I have a, a, a cluster that's apophyllite and stillbite. And then on my lower belly, I put chrysocolla which has some druzy quartz with it then sort of around the solar plexus i have a raw deep pink tourmaline um and then on my heart chakra a piece of zoocyte with uh ruby and then just below my throat chakra cuz it's a little more comfortable not on my neck throat uh a uh, pink quartz and then uh another piece of just plain apophyllite on my forehead so that's what okay. I've been working with. And then I carry stuff in my pockets a lot. Guide <laughs> uh, sure is. is really oh big now. Do you know what Guide is?
2: Yes. 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 For it's people who don't know. Right? Yeah.
0: No, it's for absorbing EMFs.
2: Oh, EMFs. Okay. The electric
0: um, and magnetic then brand- frequencies. Yeah. Um, and then I have a piece of brown tourmaline for absorbing negative energies uh, and a piece of cuprite for grounding and some other things.
2: Mm-hmm. I I gravitate for rose quartz usually, fluorite, amethyst. Those are the stones that have uh, mm-hmm. resonated with me. And when you go to my house, I've got more stones on than people are used to seeing because I just went into this. I love crystals. I got into them. At first, I just thought they were a bunch of rocks, and I didn't really think anything of it. And then I went out to Sedona, Arizona, and I got activated by them or something, where I'm really sensitive to their energies now, their vibrations. And I actually use it as inter- part of my practice.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because sometimes they will say somebody should carry this or wear this. Um, but it's interesting. Once you become sensitive to the energies, just even like a different – if you're at a crystal store and you think, oh, I want some rose quartz, and you just pick up the different rose quartz, the one that wants to come home with you will tell you
2: <laughs> one of because my best you'll energies. Friends... the no. Oh, for sure. One of my best friends has her own crystal shop, and when I first met her at a wedding three years ago, she would keep gifting me crystals. And I was re-gifting those crystals to other people because I was like, I don't need this. I don't need this. And then I went to my trip, came back. And now I'm the one who gifts crystals to others. Like, I'll buy crystals and hold on to them. And then intuitively, before I go to a party or go somewhere, I always feel uh-huh. like, okay, let me grab this piece of rose quartz. Let me grab this Labradite. And it's so funny because when I go out, I'll come across someone who can utilize that. So I'll just gift that to them because I feel the energy is best when it's gifted from someone to someone else. Is that something you found as it, well?
0: Um, I haven't had that be part of my practice. I've had uh... – other people occasionally gift me with things. Um, and right now I'm trying to not bring stuff into my house. <laughs> trying to gotcha. have less stuff. So um, if I if I <laughs> could afford it, I might ship you a bunch of stuff. But, um, <laughs> you know, um, and I have a Reiki therapist right now that she uses crystals on you. Interesting. Because it huh.
2: enhances the work. They enhance the work. I believe that they're like air conditioning. The, the way I phrase it to people is it's like an AC filter. You need to change that filter out in order for it to do its work. Crystals, to me, represent the same type of frequency crystal, uh, like frequency filters, so to speak. I, I mm-hmm. always try to tell people, look, if it's easy for you to understand this, I'll debunk a lot for you. Radio transmitters have quartz in them. They transmit signals. Why would it be mm-hmm. out of the park to say that other crystals can do similar facets and have certain healing properties based on your right. own your own body makeup and what you have going on or whatever it is? Um, they, I, you know, I believe they can break
0: up energy blocks. They can enhance your energies and raise them. Um, they yes. can do healing work on you. Um, it's just the universe is really interesting um it's uh much more interesting i think than people have thought for some time you know i think we're getting back into being closer to nature being closer to spirit um although i have a, a problem with people who without studying with somebody from a lineage call themselves shamans
2: Ah, uh, that's not good. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I I'm listening
0: to this series of you know webinars, this woman said she's a modern she's a modern shaman. She didn't go, you know, the rainforest and study. It was all downloaded. I'm like, well, then you shouldn't be calling oh, yourself you a shaman. Oh, you can't
2: do that. You can't do that. <laughs> Even so that's if like you, a you know, tool.
0: qualify it by saying you're a modern shaman. No, no, no. Shaman means you have studied with someone with a lineage and that person has decided that you're a shaman.
2: Absolutely. What do you think about <clears throat> in terms of the stereotypes of an intuitive person like a Miss Cleo from the 90s? Everyone always brings that up. Are you like Miss Cleo? They'll joke with me about it. I have fraternity brothers from college that tease me. Do you find from your personal experiences now that you're working with clients as Uh, an intuitive healer, have you ever had anybody directly uh, react negatively to you when they found out what you're doing as your life calling?
0: Other than occasionally like the woman who sidled away from me, not really. I think I've been lucky in that way.
2: Same here. Same here. And how about your colleagues who are attorneys that you know? How did they receive you leaving the law? I basically didn't tell them. Okay. Okay. Have they? The people I told
0: when I was working were, there was a woman in, in the department who was studying African spirituality. So I told her, and there was a woman, there was another department on our floor, and there was a young woman that I started talking to. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I told her, but that was really it. I did not tell
2: lawyer colleagues. You know, it's interesting for me, uh, since I started doing this podcast, because I promoted it through social media, I uh, adopted my grandfather's last name as a pseudonym and shortened it. So for a while, while I was doing this stuff, I had the two identities going on, so to speak. But then my podcast grew, and I got to the point where I was like, "You know what? life's too short. I'm just going to put myself out there, And I've had a positive reception from people I work with as my colleagues here in Tampa. In fact, That's I've had fine. a couple of them come to me conf- yeah, I've had a couple of them come to me confidentially and want a reading for them their family Mm -hmm. and it's pretty interesting for me because i for so long kept it to myself and now that i can actually like when you come into my law office i have a corner right by my desk with all these crystals set up (laughs) and so Mm -hmm. if someone comes into my office that doesn't know what i do uh, as like my after hour and weekend opportunity i always call it like a hobby but for me it's becoming more of a another you know another thing another facet of what i do for a living but they I haven't had anyone react negatively to me but I'm also wondering when they come in here and they look at that little corner, they're like, What's this guy got? <laughs> What's he doing with these stones? But um I didn't know I'm sure
0: some of them do wonder and are polite and don't ask and but things, yeah. you know, are shifting and you know. Um but That's I was exciting. working in downtown really Chicago for the county of Cook, so <laughs> No. I got you. <laughs> and I, you know, was working with a number of assistant state attorneys. I, no. Although I think probably there was one assistant that I became very good friends with. It. I may have told him a little bit, but most people, no. You know, you're talking about former prosecutors who are now in the civil division. And, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, so. What do you think and is the great department I worked in was ahead, strange enough as it was that I was not gonna. Yeah. <laughs> I...
2: hmm. It's interesting, isn't it, when you deal with this kind of situation and then you have people on a different—I I would say like a different course of than we are, you know. Um, mm-hmm. What is? What do you think is for yourself, going to be the biggest challenge going forward in your spiritual practice, and why?
0: Um, trying to go deeper and broaden, okay. I suppose you could say. Um, I do a trade every once in a while with a friend, and, and I asked a particular question. You know, I texted her and said, can I ask you this question? And she said, sure, and um, the answer came back totally different about studying shamanism and doing shaman- getting shamanically healed and blah, And I'm like, well, they better send me the money. <laughs> of course. So it's just finding a way, I suppose, to follow this additional path because uh, unless somebody will teach me for free, it's That's going right. to be a while. <laughs> uh, No, so I I think it's just, you know, continuing to go where they want me to go.
2: Absolutely. Going back to your book, I wanted to ask you about the third section. I don't think we got into Mm -hmm. it. Um, And that's the exercises, I believe. There's certain homework assignments that people can use in this. And I wanted to see if you could talk about that with our audience so that uh, they understand why you put that at the back of the book
0: well originally it was going to be a separate book so when we made the cards and the accompanying book in in one book we just put this in and this was some things that came out of workshops some things that I've done myself um, because you can use the book and just contemplate with the images meditate with the images you know and just choose them and work with them or you can work with them in a more focused way and that's really kind of the point of the exercises. Um, for example, one is called My Heart Story. So you pick an image, go into meditation, and using the chosen image and text as an opening into your heart, ask your heart what its story is. And then you can write it down, journal it, or you could, um, if you want, some of them talk about drawing and uh I'm sorry, drawing or collaging. Okay. Another one is stream of consciousness. So you pick the image and then you meditate, and then you just start writing without thinking. So it's additional ways to use the book. I think my favorite, and I don't know if you had a chance to look at it, it's called The Three Questions.
2: Okay. As a way to I check in with it, but yourself. I want to... Yeah, tell us a little about well, that.
0: Um, where this came from, I worked with a friend for a while. I was a life coach, and we worked with her horse. Her horse would do Reiki on you. And suddenly, hmm. in my head, this horse would, I could hear this horse asking me questions. So um, this last exercise is a check-in, and it reminds me I should do this myself every once in a while again. Um, to ask yourself these questions, just ask them and answer it. Not contemplate it, not write paragraph. just answer it. Like So it's who am I, where am I, what am I? As okay. check-in. And that one is aimed at, so over time, as you do more meditation with the book or otherwise, you can see how things change for you.
2: But I love it because uh, got time, it from, yeah. I got it from Thunder the Horse. Animals, to me, are very healing, and they're very intuitive themselves. I have uh, two birds. Mm. I grew up with a parrot, so then later in life now, in my midlife, I decided to go get two parrots. And the interesting thing for me is I come home after a long day, and I feel like they help me detox, Mm. like let all the stress out. And I feel like they know when you're in a bad mood or when you're going through a tough time because I've literally had circumstances – where I had a rough day and I fall asleep on the couch and I left my one bird out, Pepper, it's an African gray, and she'll fly to me. And when I'm asleep, I wake up and she's on my shoulder. Almost like, hey, you know I had a bad, a bad day. You're comforting me. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, have you had experiences like that with animals or have you heard anyone I explain something cats like that to you? I had two cats for about 18 years. And... Um... Okay. They if
0: they knew when I was sick, they would come and hang out with me. They would, you know, I'm trying to knit, and they're like, okay, you know, we, we're paying attention to you. And um, I did have, it was actually a man who I hired to to do, be my house cleaner, and he was into angels and guides as well. And he said he noticed them staring in an area as if they were watching something. Um, And I think often when we can't, you know, because I work with angels and guides all the time, do I see them? No. Some people do. Some people don't um, who do the work. And, you know, I think animals are more in tune and can really see this stuff.
2: Since I've become more intuitive, I've also found a strong connection that when I go out in nature, It helps to rejuvenate and and just being in a park or going to the beach or any of those kind of things. Um, Mm -hmm. Have you had
0: similar experiences for yourself? Sure. In fact, there's a whole movement now called forest bathing, Uh, going out in nature. And, you know, I can go out. There's a park here uh, that's right on the Connecticut River. And it's just there's something about the energy of this park And I can be kind of like eh, kind of crabby and go walk
2: in the park and feel so much better. (laughs) So interesting how that works. A lot of people don't think of those things. I didn't actually think of those things until the last three years, that natural aspects of our planet and our universe can really Mm -hmm. help when you're feeling like you need to be elevated or you need to step away from the, the craziness of your day. And recharge yourself. I actually, where I work, I go outside and go for walks around the block on my lunch break or whatever, just to get back in touch with nature. Um, Mm -hmm. I want to ask you, we're actually running low on the show. I did not expect this episode to go as fast as it is right now. And I think it's because you're such a great guest. (laughs) Oh, thank you.
0: You're a a good host, you know, and both being
2: lawyers, we can talk a lot. Uh, we'd love to talk. How many lawyer jokes would there be told in our audience right now? <laughs> you know, I could see a punchline <laughs> like, how many psychic lawyers does it take to do X? <laughs> you know? And, uh, anyway, let me ask – Good. Um, I didn't know if I interrupted you if you are going to say something. I apologize. No, that's okay. Okay. Look, uh, let, me, let me ask you this. I know we've kind of went over your website already. I want to ask you two questions. One, we talked about animals. So, mm-hmm. if you were to identify with a spirit animal, which one would it be, and why?
0: Oh well, I have a number of them hang out with me. Um, I think right now it would be wolf. Okay. Just because he was one. Wolf was one of the first ones that showed up.
2: Okay. Interesting. I like. And maybe
0: that. because I live um, in Vermont
2: beautiful up there i uh i love that yes it is (laughs) one of my last questions to you in reference to your book what if anything would you want our audience to gain from this episode to persuade them to contact you and to review your book firsthand
0: um as for my services, I can help you find your purpose, I can help you find your way, I can help you change your story. And the book can help you change how you relate to yourself, other people, the world and the divine.
2: Perfect. I want to thank you. <laughs> well, I know thank we, you Jason. did this interview. I know we did this interview on a Friday. It's an afternoon here in Tampa, three o'clock by you as well. We're on the East Coast, but I have to say it's an honor and a pleasure to have you on the show i would if you're comfortable, I'd love to have you back on sometime where we could talk about some other topics
1: sure.
2: and um, if you ever wanted to read, we could have you on as a guest reader as well. if you're comfortable, with people calling in um, oh yeah could have that before. okay, great so we'll we'll look into those as well and i I would like to just tell you that everything you're doing right now is so great and I appreciate the fact that you're brave enough to come on here, talk about your personal experiences, share with our audience that you're also an attorney and that you're doing this for your, your path now, and it inspires me. Um, I'm trying to keep both up, <laughs> being the lawyer and having to At some in. point, it's... you
0: will make the transition when it's right.
2: <laughs> yeah, I uh... – I find it so interesting, though. Uh, I smile a lot more during my days, let's put it that way. <laughs> yes. So. Well,
0: again, thank you so much for the opportunity.
2: Absolutely. And once again, for our audience, one last time, are you on social media? And if so, where can they find you?
0: I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm thinking – I'm flirting with the idea of Instagram, but I haven't done that yet because – I don't know how people have all the time in the world to do all of these. So, And the, sure. and the website, katherinesamuelson.com.
2: Great. Thank you so much for coming on, and I appreciate you sharing your personal story with us. Thank
0: you so much, Jason,
2: and have a good weekend. Okay. You too. Enjoy your weekend. Thank you. I just want to thank Catherine for coming on today. Uh, it's so great when you can have synchronicity with another guest coming on the show, being able to have a a conversation about various different topics. Her book, Opening the Heart, Meditations on How to Be, is available online. Dog Ear Press, Amazon, Barnes & Noble online as well. You can also look for it on Kindle and Nook and iBook. I highly recommend this book for anyone interested in wanting to practice meditation with different exercises. The book contains a really great array of photos. I call them natural photos of flowers and different things in nature with mantras attached to them. And at the end of the book, there's a, there's a set of exercises that you can do and anything that you can do to learn more about mind, body, well, mind, body, spirit, wellness, mindfulness, there's no negative to it. It really is a, a net positive in every way. And I think if society was to buy more into these healing modalities that we bring up on the show, it would help a lot of people And in learn, learning how to balance your life and the competing pressures that exist in our society. I want to thank everyone for supporting our show. I look forward to bringing more episodes in the near future. Feel free to check out our YouTube channel for the Social Psychic, which will be um, debuting additional videos as we go forward. We just did the first video just now. And you could always check me out on social media for Instagram, Facebook. Um, not really on Twitter. I have a Twitter account, but I'm not on there too much. But check in with me if you want to contact our show and you like this episode or any of our other episodes. You could feel free to reach out to me with any questions or if you have any input. And you can email me directly at info at the letter D, info at the letter D, socialpsychicradio.com. Until next time, thank you.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Social Psychic Radio Show. Don't forget to join us for another episode next time. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. You can also check us out on Facebook and don't forget to visit the Social Psychic YouTube channel. Until next time, it's a big world out there. Keep an open mind, embrace your paradigms and know that the universe is always yours to explore. Are you looking for that perfect gift to express your appreciation for your loved one or bestie? Well, look no further. Royal Susie offers one-of-a-kind designs with genuine high-quality crystals, stones, and the most precious of metals that are guaranteed to satisfy the urges of your inner king or queen. Each piece is handcrafted with love and is sure to inspire and captivate all. Indulge yourself by visiting Royal Susie's website at www.royalsusie.com for splendid items like agate bookends, Impressively crystal-studded bottle stoppers and beautifully handcrafted nightlights that will charm every room in your home. Royal Susie's featured collections will truly delight your guests and always make them feel welcome. Any questions? Contact Royal Susie directly by email at royalsusiedesigns@yahoo.com.